This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 Hello and welcome to Trots Live. Great to be here. Tuesday edition, which means, uh, and already what a wonderful segue on Giddy Up with Gareth Hall. He's going to join us actually for a moment when he finishes his other obligations and talk about this field for the final lead-up race as we head towards the Victoria Cup. And it is not one of the Victoria Cup carnival. Oh, yeah, does it have meaning? Um, I feel like it's been going for a while. Uh, all the way back, probably to that VHRC Caduceus Classic and then into the Kilmore Cup card. All of it's been a wind-up towards the Victoria Cup. And in its own way, it's been a wind-up towards the Inter-Dominion Series later in the year as well. And I think you could look at it in a different way and say maybe it's a wind-up towards the New Zealand Cup or the Vic Bread Series and Breeders' Crown later in the year because there's so many four-year-olds that are uh, doing the business. Headlined at the moment by a rock and roll do so. Um, exciting times later in the show. We'll have a chat, hopefully, with Andy Gath, certainly with Greg Sugars. We might get Kevin Gordon on the line. We you know there's confirmation already about the Lock and Barrard situation. I'll do my breezing with Bon Matty Leopard. I'm hoping we'll be back on track as well to give us some tips and try and find us some winners because we need as much money as we can possibly get heading into the last or into the next couple of weeks this Saturday. Uh, we're expecting 11 races in the card again. So we had 11 for Kilmore Cup night. We're expecting 11 because there's one more heat of the Oaks, the normal, which is exciting. It it, it appears there's going to be three heats of the Vic Oaks series. And, of course, we've got the Derby heat. It's just an amazing program. And then an even better program on Saturday week. So... Um, Gareth is going to be in in a moment. I've got my breezing with Bon. I might hold off on the breeze and wait and see uh, when Gareth can get back in here and we can have a little discussion about uh, the nominations and, and the field, which is due to be released, I would imagine, in about 24 minutes. 23 minutes. If they're spot on 23 minutes and 48 seconds, you'll have those fields for Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton. And we very much look forward to seeing them because, uh, as I say, it's going to be a crack card right across the board. Um, but my breezing with Bond, it's going to be wild and it's going to be a little bit crazy and we're going to go off track. You've, got to, you've always got to follow me with a little bit of trust when I go on these breezes. Sometimes it's a definitive subject, but usually even when it is one definitive subject, which today is not, um, you've got to go off-road with me a little bit. I get in the four-wheel drive. I mean, I don't drive. But, you know, I get, I get an emotional, metaphysical, uh, metaphorical four-wheel drive. Go off-road. 
and then you've got to come back with me back onto the highway and hope that nobody gets killed. But always remember, never let anybody take you to the second location. Gareth's about to rejoin us now. Such a busy man. He's gone in there to record a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of a segment, I think maybe for Greyhound Racing Victoria, but he's going to pop back in hopefully and we're going to discuss the field for uh, this Smoking Up Sprint, which is the final lead-up race, as mentioned, as we head towards the Group 1 Grand Circuit Victoria Cup. And he's back in. He's a busy man. He, he's just hes so elegant, beautifully moving from one studio to the next, fulfilling obligations, making sure all of his fans and zealots are happy and he's done a great job in the studio next door. But, Gareth, um, great show. Great little segue uh, into night one of the Victoria Cup Carnival, having a chat with uh, with Anthony Butt. Now, talk to us about this field for the Smoking Up Sprint because it is night one yes. of the Vic Cup Carnival, and this is the final lead-up race. So, Torrid Saint, geez, you can draw a marble. Barrier one again. Unbelievable. But it's actually, it's always good when he does because you know he needs to be there. Yes, better Eclipse 2, Crime Rider 3, copy that 4. Act Now looks the early leader for mine, Barrier 5. Better Be the Bomb, 6. Mark Shard, 7. Triple 8, Barrier 8. He can be dangerous. He's probably three back the fence. Tango Tara at 9. Bondi Lockdown, Ooh, Barrier 10. Jeez. And Bulletproof Boy can't buy a barrier, Barrier number 11. So you early look there, Jace. <laughs> Bondi Lockdown is another one that that struggles with uh, barriers. I'll tell you what, over a mile, this is over a mile, is it not? Correct. That's a smoking up sprint. Yeah, so Torrid Saint's got to be a reasonable hope of actually winning this race, you would have thought. You think so? I think he's always just a length behind a few of these paces. Yeah, well, uh, well we go back to, um, it wasn't the Minuteman Free, it might have been the Minuteman Free for all, where he beat Lock and Varart. He's gone sub 152 on that occasion yeah. when he's been able to lead. But if uh, Triple Eight's on his back then, and if he leads, he's not going to hold out Triple Eight, is he? Do you know Triple Eight has not at any stage been, I don't know what wagering service providers we've been looking at here, but he has not been in the market for the Victoria Cup, any market that I've seen, Triple Eight. Bet 365. Uh, maybe they were, they were clever enough. Yeah, they are, because they sponsor Giddy Up, of course, Bet 365. I think your man, your man uh, in the ground might have been smart enough, but uh, certainly in a couple of others that... Uh, that should have had him in there, have not had him in there. And you, and you know what happens when you ask for a horse to be added into a market? They throw it in at about $14, so you can't ask, so you just have to wait for it to come My in. opinion there on Triple Eight and the Victoria Cup, like, apart from Spirit of St. Louis is unfortunately not taking his place now in the Victoria Cup, is it's so draw-dependable anyway. So you're just taking a punt that Triple Eight draws one. If he draws six or seven, he's, what, $20 plus. It's a late... Uh, I'm hoping to get hold of Greg Chuggers later in the show because it's... This is a late call-up on Better Eclipse. And a Better Eclipse would have... They would both have excellent residual fitness, wouldn't they, from the, the Queensland Winter Carnival. But you're looking at Better Eclipse and Triple Eight... And now they have to turn up. They've got one run, and then next week they go into a Victoria Cup. It's a, it's a, it's a big ask. But they're good trainers, aren't they? And they, they know are. what they're doing. Obviously, they had that Queensland campaign, so they've got some residual fitness on their side. But, like, we've got this segment called Facing the Breeze. We've got Jack Trainer and Anthony Butt that join me each Tuesday on Giddy Up. In about three weeks, I Jack Trainer would, would, would have just been getting out of bed now after he's not on Saturday. He just dominated. He's a hard worker these days. He's, he's taking over the world. I asked them the question, Bondi Lockdown or Rock and Roll do three weeks ago? Without hesitation, they said Bondi, Bondi lockdown. lockdown. How quickly life can change in three weeks. Best combo in SEN here. 
Bonner and uh, Giddy. You've now got a new nickname. Your name, your oh, nickname's Giddy because yep. uh, you giddy up Gareth Hall. Hey, what about the Derby heats? Have you got enough time there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is... It's like Ox has deliberately done these barrier drawers just to get everybody excited. You can't say that kind of thing. Now people will think that there's been an integrity issue. There's no way. Ox has done nothing wrong. No, which... which It's actually good for the sport, though, if they are. Actually, it is a terrific... They quite often do end up in these races. The the Derby... Are you with me? I I wrote an article for the Herald Sun today. The the Derby's now more exciting than the Vic Cup, isn't it? The Derby's... I I know that sounds bizarre, but I think it is. it's one of the most exciting Vic Cups that we've had for quite some time at the depth. But I, I agree with you. The Derby's going to be a beauty. So you have a look at the draws here. And for the first heat of the Derby... So what's the... Is it top four, five through? How many heats of the Derby? Two. So you'll, it'll be top six through. Yep. So you've got Leap to Fame 11, mm. Captain Ravishing 10, mm. and Just a Little Sip 12. Yeah, right. Okay. Bet on the Tiger 2, Cobber 3, Simply Sam 4, Mr. Ibiza 5, Lightning Dan 6, Ever Hoping 7. District Attorney, I've got a lot of time for, Barrier number 9. What do you make of that? Well, uh, so Captain Ravishing, where's 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 the absolute headliner here? Well, leap to fame, I would imagine, is in front of Captain Ravishing, or do you think he's the number one seed now, the captain? Is there another horse that? that... Well, not catch a waves in the other heat. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. Well, what do you think? Where, where do you rate them now? I don't know. I reckon if we did, I said the other day, I think if we did a family feud, 100 respondents now, it sounds bizarre because he's only won the um, the Colin and Heather Holloway Classic and the Reg Withers Classic. But the way that Captain Ravishing's done it, I think most of the 100 respondents would now have Captain Ravishing as the top seed. But the question mark is, and Clayton and Emma, Clayton Tonkin and Emma Stewart are very confident that he'll run the long trip. But if it's a truly run long trip, he does seem like a coiled up ball of dynamic energy and speed. I wonder whether he'll, he'll cope with it. But then again, Catch a Wave has to cope with it. Leap to Fame is the really professional horse who's already won a couple of derbies. So where does it all settle for you? Well, Captain Ravising, I think, asked answered a few questions at Kilmore. Like they drove to beat him, a few of them anyway, on, on Friday night. And then eventually got to the top and he raced away. I thought Still he was, only 2,180 metres. I know. I thought he was vulnerable a little bit, especially when a horse like Interest Free went to his outside after doing not too much work, but he just made him look second rate. But how far is Interest Free behind Catch a Wave and Lead to Fame? Not far off. I think only a couple of metres. I've got a little bit of time for him. Um, but Lead to Fame probably gets to the front. But I've got, like, District Attorney, um, Lightning Dam, Mr. Ibiza might give them something to think about. So it's an interesting heat. Um, they might be going on. It might be a, a battle of the tactics. Who can get around them first? So I'll have to, you'll have to have a look at close look. Um, There's three heats of the, the Oaks those, as well, which is, uh, I think they're unexpected. I think they were, uh, well, Ox told me, uh, the great Paul Oxenfield, we keep referencing him. He's uh, he's the, the, the man who runs the show, um, basically the CEO of racing there and yeah, handicapping. three heats, the Victoria Oaks. Harness yeah. Racing Victoria. So they were only expecting two, so they're going to get three. Okay, I'll give you a couple before I let you go because I know you're a busy man. Going back to the smoking up sprint, copy that. Did you see everything you needed to see to believe that he he's at his New Zealand Cup winning best at the moment? I'm not sure that I did. I think he's still vulnerable because I don't think he leads. I think Act now gets to the front unless Nathan Jack works to the front. Burning questions. I would imagine you'd get Jody Quinlan on and see if she can 
if she wants to hold the top because I have him going to the front. Do you have any inside information on how Acknow's going? No. He trialed. He's trialed okay. Yeah, but you were, you, you were, you were, remember you were right at the forefront of the uh, Acknow train when he was, uh, it was about 12 yeah. months ago, wasn't it, when he was dominating them through the Derby series? So much to try and keep on top of these days. I haven't got across um, having a chat to the Tonkin or Stuart Camp yet, but that's... I think he probably disappointed me a little bit last preparation act now. It looked, well, it looked like they went past him. Yeah, 100%. But whether they did is is up for some conjecture because I've, I feel like he he also went backwards. Uh, and it's yeah. a little bit like Bondi lockdown right now. Do you see Bondi lockdown being able to bounce back? Well, he doesn't have to win from there, by the way, because no, he's drawn big, so poorly. Big question marks on Bondi lockdown. I, I didn't like the way that he come back at Cranbourne. I didn't like the way that he come back the other day at Melton when he was off the bit down the back. So I'd love to see him travel on the bit and just set, set. Like I think Aaron Dunn will drive him patiently and just let him try and finish off to get some confidence back. Last question: Do you have a uh, do you have any early bets on the on the Victoria Cup? Any no, futures? No, I don't think so. I, I, Max Delight, I don't may, may not be able to win it, but he's still he's never moved from one hundred and one and twenty two dollars the place. Has to get a run because he's the defending champion. What price? One hundred and one to win, twenty two the place. Wasn't bad in the Kilmore Cup. Was very good the start prior in the VHRC Caduceus Classic. Has to get a run because he's the defending champion. More the place than the win. Well, just having a look at the Bet365 market for the Vic Cup, Expensive Ego's the favourite, please. He's he's 10 to 1 for mine because he's got no gate speed. No. So I, I'll take him on every day of the week. Luke McCarthy talks up his horses because he's a bull as well. And yeah. you've got to think, like, we are, oh, I yeah. love Luke. He's got Comedy Farm, so that's why he's talking about Well, they got back to the exclusion on Saturday night, a couple of them. Spirit of St. Louis can't win because he's not going around. Copy that at six. Honolulu Bay needs to draw well. Rock and Roll do needs to draw well, but flying. But if the pace is on, he can finish off. Bondo lockdown, $13 is probably right, but I think he should be longer. Better eclipses at a big price. Like a wildfire is at a big price. Supreme Dominator is at a big price. Will he go west if he draws the leads at a big price? Um, Max Delight's at $50 for, I don't know where you're getting $200, but 51 with Bet365. Rock and Roll do should be favourite at the moment. Do you think so? We have, like, if yeah. you, in any world competition, think of any sport that you can possibly imagine. If you were going to Wimbledon and you won Queens and you won the two major competitions in the lead up to Wimbledon, wouldn't you be favourite? If he's drawn to lead, he will, yeah. But he's the one He's the one who's proven with his two wins that he's led once and he's come off the speed. He can actually do both. Most of these, I don't think, can do it two different ways. Yeah, I'd have, uh, him, I'd have him close to favourite. In fact, I think you're right there, Jason. Catch a wave would be my favourite for the Victoria Derby in front of Leap to Fame and Captain Ravish. Me too. Well done, Gareth. Merry Christmas, Jason. Giddy Enjoy up with day. Gareth Hall. Um, Anthony Butt tipped us elegant each way as well. Oh, really? For the Victoria Oaks. Maybe not on Saturday night because of the draw, but definitely if she draws nicely in the final. Well, you know who Elegant's out of? Spokeswoman. Do you remember Spokeswoman? Ah, uh, no. Who trained it? Made heels back in the day. For a period of time. Spokeswoman. Hmm. Might talk about it off here. Uh, we'll go for a break. Trot's Life, Tuesday edition. She was a very, very talented uh, Philly mayor, was spokeswoman, and Elegant is also. So, and Ants doesn't normally get it wrong. Uh, you can hear him with Jack Trainer on with Gareth Hall every Tuesday. We're going to go for a break now. Come back. Breezing with Bond, Maddie Leopard, Greg Sugars, hopefully. Uh, Andy Gath. It's going to be a big show. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington.
Tate McRae. Great tune. Absolute banger. Right, now we've only got the big cat. We haven't heard from him for a couple of weeks, so we've only got him now till 11.45. We're going to try and spit as many tips out as we possibly can. How are you, Matthew Leppard, apart from the fact that you're still mourning and grieving over the fact that Collingwood weren't there to provide more resistance to the Geelong Cats on Saturday at the G? Point in grand final. Um, we wait all year for for the biggest day of the year in, in football, and we get served up that. So it's disappointing. Um, but uh, and we've had a couple of them recently. Like last year, the margin was big in the end. Um, in 2019, the margin was huge when Richmond pumped GWS. So we haven't had too many good grand finals recently, but uh, no one can help that. Well, it's it is funny, isn't it? It's all it's almost uh, a little segue into this weekend with the Derby in the Oaks finals. That preliminary final weekend sometimes, more often than not, as a matter of fact, is a better weekend than grand final weekend. Or the matches on uh, on on the weekend prior to the grand final are better. And with those heats of the Derby at Oaks, we might have. Um, well, I don't think so. I think actually the Derby final is going to be more exciting than the Derby heats. But uh, it certainly whets the appetite, doesn't it, Big Cat? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I probably won't be out there this week, but I'll certainly head out there next week for Victoria Cup night. Um, I haven't seen the fields yet. I heard you and Gareth discussing them just then, but from what I gather, it sounds like Leap to Fame and Captain Ravishing have drawn back in the same heat. Is that correct? I think so. I don't know whether I heard the Captain Ravishing was, but definitely Leap to, Leap to Fame's at the back. So I think yeah. they both might be. Of, of the three big guns... Um, Heading towards the, the Derby final next week, I would have thought catch a wave is out of the three that I would say probably can't win the final. Um, I just have a massive query over here at the 2700. He can still pull and do things wrong. We've seen Leap the Fame breeze and run a near track record over the 2700 in Brisbane. So we know he's going to get the trip and Captain Ravishing. The catch a wave is only the third pick at the it's going to come down to barrier drills. Um, I might just get you to uh, shift left just very slightly one step because we're sort of in and out a little bit. Uh, that, but you, you, you've created, you've dropped the first bomb already, saying the catcher waves is the one that you think can't win. I've, I've still got him on uh, on on top, but maybe I don't know. Maybe Andy Gats thinking the same thing as you. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm trying to navigate my way through this maze at the moment with these captain treacherous runners because both of them, captain ravishing and catcher wave, both might not make. The 2,700 betters, both of them might make it easily. Race one at Shepparton's where we're playing first tonight. Favourite there is Storm Boy Star. Who have you got? Yeah, this is a, um, a very, very low uh, sort of grade of race. And I'm backing Storm Boy Star here. It's one of the biggest driver changes you'll ever see. Jeffrey Allen goes off and Chris Alford goes on. And it's last two runs where it's ran fourth both times with Jeffrey Allen driving. They've actually been pretty reasonable performances. And this is actually, a, in my opinion, a slightly easier race, plus it gets the big driver change. So I'm not expecting it to spear out and lead. It's not necessarily a gate speed horse. But I think uh, on the big spacious Shepherd and Track, if, if the puppet can just settle it back in the running line somewhere and there's enough tempo on up front, then it can run over them late. It's already been 440 into, uh, well, it's into 250 with the tab now. And I think a lot of that is based off this driver change. So often we see... Um, the big boys like Alfred and Sugars jump on these um, horses which have been in the past driven by part-timers and they do improve considerably and I'm expecting to see that again tonight. So that's race one, number five, Storm Boy Star. All right, Storm Boy Star and then race seven at Chebbin. Now there's been a massive early go here, a massive early go for 
Here he comes, $10 into four. Night School, who was so impressive, bashing inferior, well, who turned out to be inferior roles in the last race at uh, Melton a couple of weeks back. He's $185 out to $2. Are you with Here He Comes? Or did you did you get anything like $10 if you are with Here He Comes? Uh, I'm not on the $10, but um, the next flux down I am. So I've backed it each way. Number one, Here He Comes. Um, he doesn't seem to draw well very often, um, but he gets the right draw today and in the right race. Um, Beck Bartley has the option to, to use him a little bit off the gate here to at least hold a spot that hopefully end up no worse than leaders back. I certainly wouldn't want to be getting shuffled too far back on the pegs, but an ideal spot would be leaders back behind Night School if um, Night School runs the gate and spears across them at the start. Uh, here he comes, the former smart horse as a three-year-old. He's now nine, so it's a long time ago, but um, he, he's just he's not he hasn't reached the great heights we thought he might, but he's still a, quite a consistent horse, but he just needs the right run <laughs> driven in a sit-sprint manner, and I think he gets the right draw to do that today. So he's been $10 into $4. Probably short enough now, given that he, he's probably not the leader in the race, so you wouldn't want to take too short for a horse that's going to be driven sit-sprint. But from barrier one, as long as he can hold a spot early, I just thought he was a great each-way bet. And that's race seven, number one, here he comes. All right, before we go to the news, we might go through the Albion Park wages and then come back with uh, all those at Menangle. Race six at Albion Park, first of all. Who do we like there, please? Big Cat? Race six, Albion Park, number nine, Eugenian. Now, this is a horse that uh, opened up uh, $9 last night. Uh, it's into three forty now, which is short enough. It's probably, um, you know, you don't want to go back into the current price. You're better off waiting for it because it'll drift in a little bit late. But um, this, is a, this is a three-year-old filly against the older horse, but I think it's actually probably a slightly easier race than what it met last time where they did go 154 and it was only beaten 14 metres, which means its own personal time is around 155 flat, which is the sort of performance that's probably good enough to just about win this sort of race. Um, they're up to the middle trip today, 21.38, which is the first time this filly has ran over the longer trip. But um, she recently went down to Sydney uh, to Tamworth in New South Wales and ran in a heat of the Breeders' Challenge and ran third. So she's probably made the semi-final, so she'll probably go back to Sydney again soon. But she is Queensland trained. She's the stable mate of former star mayor Pelosi, who I believe now is um, is retired. But if she can poke through from number two on the second row early, settle in the running line, and hopefully be too strong late, that's row six, number nine, Eugenian. And one more bet there. Uh, yeah, what a good horse. Uh, or Philly uh, Pelosi was for Anywood Mansi. Race eight, our favourite there is betting origin. We're talking about Albion Park around 5.44 this afternoon. Thoughts, please, before we go to the news, big cat. Yeah, there's one here that they went up $34, which I've backed, um, which is it's quite rare that I back one at such big prices. I generally focus at the top end of the market. But race eight, number six, magical ideal for John Steria and Clint Snedden. It's not a, a trainer-driver combination that I usually invest my hard-earned on, but I thought the run last week where it sat in the breeze in 153 behind so much more, only about in seven metres, I thought it was a terrific performance. And uh, with the same setup today, it's probably going to be breezing over the mile again. And if it can replicate that sort of performance, and its own personal time last week was around the 154.1, and if it can do that again today, I think that's probably nearly good enough to win from the breeze. So they bet $41 last night. It's into $9 now. And on its performance last week, I think it's probably the one to beat. Loving Miss Dixie looks to be the main danger, as it might be the one that works its way to the front, possibly. And then Betting Origin, who's on the back row, but... Um, He's not an overly brave animal and, and will have to work at some stage in the race. So I just thought at the price, at the HOA price, um, race eight, number six, magical ideal uh, is worth a bit of a look.
Wonders will never cease. $34 chance. Well, not $34 anymore. $9 now for that runner in race out at Albion Park. Time for the news. We'll come back and rip through some tips and bets from the big cat at Menangle today. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. I lost my place in life. I lost my point of view. A little bit of Robbie Williams, of course, who was, uh, I thought, excellent. Even at the grand final on Saturday. The actual match, as we've already outlined, was not a lot of ride home bad. All right, we'll try and rip through these for you, uh, Big Cat. Race one at Menangle. We've got five races we're going through there, and we're starting with the opener. Yeah, when I messaged you earlier, um, I thought Eve Crocker was still a backable price, but every time I keep looking, it just keeps um, firming and firming. It's into a dollar forty now, which is which is pretty short. But um, the two twenty five that went up last night was an absolute gift. Um, I thought it was around a dollar thirty to dollar forty sort of pop. Uh, so I was getting into the right price now, but it looks the leader and looks to get a soft lead and should just lead and win. Um, but I certainly don't want to go tipping anyone into the dollar forty. So it's um it's been a go two twenty five to a dollar forty, but it really should be leading and winning. Race four, uh, Lindy's Love is a trotter we know a fair bit about. It's, it sort of moves from Blake Fitzpatrick down to uh, Lara J Farm in Victoria and back again. It's been well su- supported two fifty into two now down to a dollar seventy five. Is it the winner? Yeah, it looks the winner here. Um, once again, very well back, 250 into 175. The 250, it didn't even open favourite. They opened Leotard and Lace, the former Victorian up favourite at 240, but they've flipped. And Lindy's love is as well into odds on now, and it looks to be too good for these. Um, she's only a three-year-old filly, but she's very, very consistent and a good last start winner, beating a stronger field than this. Back to the mobile. Leotard and Lace on barrier one, but if Lindy's love runs the gate, Leotard and Lace will probably just take the sit on it over the... Uh, the 2300. So Lindy's love looks the class act. Uh, and uh, for Blake Fitzpatrick, I think should be too good. That's race four, number three, Lindy's love. Really interesting betting race is the seventh, the third leg of the quarter at uh, three past three. Montalbano was the early favourite at $1.50, had to $1.85. There's been money for smirks like a boss. There's been money for Mick Danger. There's even been a little uh, tickle for a real gentleman. And Mufasa Bart's been a big drifter as well. So a lot of light colour and action going on here. Who did you settle on in the seventh? Yeah, it's a, it's a good race. This is a heat of the two-year-old Breeders' Challenge for the Colts and Geldings. So $150,000 final in a few weeks. There's three winning chances here. Mick Danger, Smirks Like a Boss, and Montalbano. I've backed Smirks Like a Boss um, to Cameron Hart and, and Alchin. I, I just think it has the gate speed to get across Mick Danger and then possibly look to take a sit on Montalbano, uh, which would bury Mick Danger three pegs. So uh, Smirks Like a Boss, it was disappointing last time at um, at Penrith in, in a heat of this race as well, where it led and got ran down by Captain's Knock. But I think you'll hear a lot, lot more about Captain's Knock. I think it might be a genuine top-line two-year-old, a real A-grader. So I think Smirks like a boss. They might be able to vary its tactics today and take a sit if it gets across to the pegs. Take a sit on Michael Barno, who does have good gate speed. And I think we might see a better Smirks like a boss um, driven with cover today. And as I said, if it, if it does hand up, then it also buries Mick Danger back three pairs. Whereas if Smirks like a boss wants to hold the front, then all of a sudden Mick Danger becomes possibly the one to beat from leaders back. So it's a very tactical race. And I'm hoping that Cameron Hart sees it the same as me. And he's happy to hand to the favourite. And then from leaders back, I think Smirks like a boss gets his chance. So that's race seven, number three, Smirks like a boss. Is it nearly possibly going to go close to 
starting favourite there, or I mean, it feels like it feels like the moves on, and that uh, the current favourite Montalbano is going to start in the black and white at very least. Yeah, Montalbano, he'll start black figures, but I think he just opened up way too short at dollar fifty, given that um, you know the lead might be there for him, but it's not guaranteed. Um, and even if he does lead Montalbano, he's going to have two really smart ones sitting leaders back and, and three pegs. So um, I just thought the dollar fifty was way too short. And it wouldn't surprise me to keep seeing him drifting, and and the other two still keep firming. And and I, I really can't, you know, can't find much between the three of them. I just thought the two and the three were better prices than the seven. Now you've gone to a race here, race ten, with a capacity field over the mile, and um, and no real short price favourite, though they have backed a couple at the top end of the market. When they opened this market, it was a four dollar forty favourite. Tell a tall story with Master Guru to 460, 480, hell of a lass. It's moved around a little bit since then. Who did you settle on, Big Cat? Yeah, it's an open race. Um, you don't see a harness race very often these days where the favourite is, uh, the opening favourite was 440. But uh, it's, the favourite now is into 350. That's Master Guda, Um And he's the one I'll back. So race 10, number three, Master Gouda. Um, Darren Hancock of Joe Fess fame. He doesn't get too many uh, good horses these days and this one certainly is not uh, what I'd call a good horse but this is a low grade race and I think Master Gouda does have enough gate speed to work his way to the front here he's only had two runs back from a, a six month spell and he's come from near the rear of the field both times, last time getting into third um, where they got home in it's only 28.5 but they probably won't get home in much quicker today so He's shown last campaign that he does have gate speed and can, at his very best, go around the 153, 154 sort of mark in front. And I think that's good enough to win today. So it all comes down to whether he's ready to ready to rumble at his peak after two runs back from a spell. But at the uh, the 460 this morning, I was happy to find out. So that's race 10, number three, Master Gouda, really hoping that Darren Hancock launches him and leads. All right, so Master Gouda there in the 10th and in the penultimate event, so from the anti-penultimate to the penultimate. This is the final tip at Menangle and the final tip from the Big Cat today, so make sure you mark it down. Beach Magic's the favourite at $1.95. It looks to be a head-to-head contest between the 6 and the 4. Beach Magic and Levart to the long black. Um, which one are you going with here, Big Cat? Yeah, it's a tricky little race, but I was happy to steer around the favourite Beach Magic here, and I'll back to Levart's at number 4 for Leighton Green, who's a very... Very promising driver up in Sydney. He's only about 18 years old, but um, he's already reduced his claim from five to three, so he's racking up the winners very quickly. Um, I think the gate speed here is probably numbers two and three, Sunshine, Karamea, and Please Shut Up. So therefore, I can't see either of the two favourites finding the front. But that's fine, because that suits Lovato, because she's more of a sit-sprinting mare. Her last start run on a Saturday night in a Metro race, um, a week and a half ago, she was only beaten 14 metres and they went 150.2, which means her own personal time was 151.2 and there's no other horse in this race that would be capable of producing that sort of performance. So um, I'm just really hoping the Beach Magic doesn't launch and find the front. It's a Queenslander who's down with part of the uh, Shannon Price team. So you'll see on Saturday night there's a couple of... Um, Metropolitan horses they've brought down, but the main reason is because they're two-year-old they've got in there today in a heat of the breeders' challenge. So Shannon Bryce is bringing a, a team of a handful of horses down. Um, there's at least five of them running across today and Saturday night, um, the Queensland team that she's brought down. So Beach Magic is a nice horse from Queensland, but I'm just not sure if he's good enough to, to sit in the breeze and do it tough today, particularly, particularly if Levatzer is sitting on him in the 1-1. 
And as I said, Sunshine Caramia and please shut up with the gate speed. So Beach Magic might need to work forward to the breeze and do it tough today, which I'm not sure will suit it on the big track with a couple of sit sprinters sitting on it. So for that reason, I'm happy to go with Lavazza number four. That's race 11, number four, Lavazza. I know you got to bounce, uh, Big Cat, but last question. I know this is a ridiculous one. You need draws and all the rest of it and probably the action from Saturday night to play out as well. But who's the horse to beat in the Victoria Cup right now? Um, um, Honolulu Bay. Still, I like that. I, think... I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding at Kilmore in a race where they they dawdled and turned it into an 800 metre sprint home. He pulled tremendous ground. I think he'll get the trip as long as he's driven quietly. Uh, whereas a few of these other ones need to get the map the way that they want it. Whereas he he's adaptable and can be driven off speed and still produce a big sprint at the end of 2,700. So he's got options. And here's the last one. Would a couple of these three-year-olds, you know, they're, they're going to go down other other roads and other targets, but are we in such a weird world now that get, that maybe one or two of these three-year-olds, if they went in the Victoria Cup, would nearly win it? Um, they'd be very competitive. Um, it, it's very, very hard to line them up. We're going to get more of a gauge when, I believe, Akuta over in New Zealand is going to run in the New Zealand Cup. Yeah. Um, let's not forget that these three-year-olds under the old system, they are early four-year-olds. So back in the day, we did have, we have seen a four-year-old mare sit in the breeze and win a New Zealand Cup in mainland banner. And we've also seen other four-year-olds, uh, even early four-year-olds, still run in big races and show that they can get the job done under the old system. So these horses are under the old system, not really three, they're early four-year-olds. So therefore, they are seasoned enough to be competitive against the very best. But we're probably never going to see it. Well, in Australia, we're probably not going to see it in the in the immediate future. So we're not really going to get a gauge. But if Leap to Fame, for example, led in a Victoria Cup uh, over the, the 2200, he would, in my opinion, be the one to beat. But, but you know, he's still then got to somehow find his way to the top. So, um, you know, if the speed map was given, then, yeah, he'd be very hard to beat. But it's not like as a three-year-old, he's going to be able to come from off the speed and just... Just beat them. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting and so exciting and so much to play out. Hey, I really appreciate your time as always, Big Cat. And we'll catch up at some stage over the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Jay. Catch you later, mate. There's Matty Leopard. Uh, time to go for another break here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. When we return, we'll have another deep dive look at these fields because they have now been officially released to the public. If you go to the harness.org.au or trots.com.au websites, you can now see the 10 races that will comprise night one of the Victoria Cup Carnival at Tabcorp Park Mountain this weekend, and we'll talk about them when we return on Trots Life. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Um, a bit different from Roger. Right. Quick look at these uh, these races on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park. Mountain night, one of the Victoria Cup Carnival. Breezing with Bomb will uh, now take place at the top of the second hour. And we will chat with Greg Sugars around 12.30. And um, we'd like to learn as much as we possibly can, particularly about Better Eclipse and Triple Eight, but also about Just Believe and... Uh, that horse is really, well, always had a lot of ability, but really um, feels, feels, feels like you might have gone to another level this preparation with Lara J. Foam. Race one is an 85 to 99 rate, so a higher rated race than normal to kick off the program, but that's the kind of meeting it is. 
Now, loving a Chevy, doesn't he? Ooh, he's drawn one again. Ha! Ah, Cosimo's flying. Uh, Major Mice has got gate speed. Vanquish strides flying. Mighty flying arts. Going great guns. Was just in too strong a race last start. Beyond Delight, we know, is um, a potential freak in the in the making. Hulini in <coughs> Three poles. <coughs> is this a more suitable race for him? I think it might be. He chanted stride back from uh, that little uh, that little incident with the eye. Um, early thoughts there. Beyond Delight and Hulini in uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play as the major chances. I think Beyond Delight will be, be relatively short. Um, given his, you know, extraordinary reputation. But I haven't totally fallen off all in the end. Our third up from a break, he'll be even better than the first two runs back. And this might not be quite as frenetically run as uh, the last start race where he found himself um, just not quite able to to kick and sprint and peel and roll when he needed to. First head of the Vic Oaks, Just Hope draws one petty on day two inside for three. Wow. Wow. What a start. Um. Yes. Just hope can lead if it wants to. Does it want to? 2,760 metres. Wow. I'll lean that way very slightly, but, gee, those top three there, one, two, and three, have they drawn one, two, and three? That's extraordinary. I thought Gareth said earlier that Oxford, you know, that, that maybe for the derby. Uh, second heat of the Vic Oaks. Relentless to me. Uh, as good as she is at far better horse when she's in front, gets there initially, but I do think a Moray Vita will be the one to beat. We know how good a Moro Vita is, and uh, don't worry about that last start performance when beaten by Soho Historia. Uh, it was still a very good run. Beach Memories, she makes her way into the final. You just never know if you wanted to have an early futures bet. Beach Memories has got a lot of ability, in my opinion, and uh, that should be – well, Rich Beauty's in there as well, but that should be close to the end of the penny section, you would have thought, but a Moro Vita, the top-ranked filly of all – should be the one to beat. Third heat of the Vic Oaks is race four. Uh, we've already got the tip for Elegant there. Trained by Jeff Webster, driven by Anthony, but Soho Historia gets an awkward draw to overcome. Talk time. A stable mate for Emma Stewart. That's one that's going to require a little bit more looking into, I would say. First leg of the quaddy is the first heat of the Down by the Seaside Victoria Derby Series. Uh, he's the son of a gun's got the gate speed to get itself in the right spot. Uh, then you're looking at a horse like Aranya. You've got an interest-free there who, who uh, wouldn't, he's the son of a gun, lead and then hand up to interest-free or lead and hold the lead. Uh, rips outside the front row. Catch a wave is drawn gate 12. Commander Buzz isn't going quite as well as I would have expected at this stage. Brutally Handsome's a very good horse, but outside the second row is going to make it hard. Not to qualify for the Victoria Derby final, but to win. I reckon he's a son of a gun. Catch away the one to beat there, but he's a son of a gun's got to be in calculations as a knockout hope, I think. I think he's a very – he's a group one winner, isn't he? Race six is the second head of the down by the Seaside Victoria Derby Series. And, uh, yes, leap to fame, 11. Captain Ravishing, 12. Just a little sip, 13. Wow, again. Uh, bet on the Tiger. Well beaten by Captain Ravishing in the Regwithers Classic on Saturday night, but that draw and his gate speed – uh, he could be a place proposition. There's no doubt about that. Maybe even a knockout hope, but really, and like, as great as Leap to Fame has been, a dual, uh, a dual derby winner, sorry, in uh, his home state up in the Sunshine State, Queensland, and also New South Wales, Captain Ravishing just seems like something else. And at heat level, I don't think they'll go that quickly through the middle stages, and that's going to help Captain Ravishing because those two sons of Captain Treacherous, Catch a Wave, and Captain Ravishing, 
There's just that little doubt on their capacity to run a, a really strong, vicious, tumultuous 2,760 metres. Smoking up sprint, Torrid Saint. One better eclipse used off the gate. Yeah, maybe. Acknow. Triple eight. Bondi lockdown, bulletproof boy. Um, Yeah, I think Lara J Farm's going to have a very strong hand to play here. Looking forward to chatting with Greg Sugars later. Though Torrid Saint can definitely give cheek, I reckon. Torrid Saint can give big, big cheek, hard fit, Ready to roll, pole marking draw. Race eight is a 70 to 85 trot. Don't care returned just in the manner which you'd uh, want to see. First up from a break, so it's the one to beat. But Chinese Whisper can be dangerous there. And Powder Kick was very good last time out. Loxley Lovers, are, Loxley Lovers the other one you don't want to uh, disrespect. Absolute freak for speed. Chris Howe Trotter's free for all. Queen of Light are the one to beat. I think... Um, yeah, she's very, very good, Queen Elida. So I'm, I'm thinking she might be able to brain them whether she leads or comes from off the speed. And the final event on the card is a 70 to 84 Raider where uh, Daylight of Dawn was very good last start. Rick Rowley's flying. Doug's babe. I'm thinking Rick Rowley, even from the awkward draw, might be the one to beat. He's, uh, he's a black booker for Steve Cleave on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life on Monday. And I think this is a, a very appropriate race for Rick Rowley. Right, we'll go for our final break in the first hour of this Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. They are some exciting races on Saturday night, aren't they? When we come back from this break, it'll just be like 30 seconds of a little link-up, and then when we return for the start of the second hour, I'll finally get off my chest the breezing with Bon. Welcome to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Baby, let's cruise. Is, uh, this is Tom Bain getting himself all wound up and ready, ready to go on his cruise. There, a little bit of Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis. Uh, what was it? What was the movie called again? Duets or something, wasn't it? It was something. Yeah, it was. A, it wasn't. Uh, look, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, wasn't a highlight of. Uh, wasn't a whole lot of existence, was it? I went to see it at the cinemas, and it was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen, to be quite honest. Right. Have you got a little um, a little button there that says Breezing with Bond somewhere? Tom Bang, you can find it. I reckon you can. JD's put it in there. If you haven't, we'll go without it, but I'm just going to give you an opportunity here. Tom Bang, numbers for the quaddy. Tom Bang, one. That'll do. That'll do. So it's been a couple of weeks since I've uh, since I've launched into a breezing with Bond, but we normally do it right at the top of the, uh, the show on a Tuesday. But we're going to do it at the start of the second hour here. Twelve thirty, we'll be joined by Gregory Ross Sugars to talk about um, well many things. So hopefully he can give us some intel for those who are wanting to have a bet this weekend on that um, smoking up sprint and also going forward to the Victoria Cup seven days later. Right, one of history's richest men of all time, Howard Hughes. People have seen the aviator, among others, once opined that money can't buy happiness. It should also be noted, however, that Hughes and every other human who ever uttered that cliche never trained trotters, or in all likelihood deigned to improve harness racing in any meaningful way. 
On every measurable level, the game we promote via this program and other available platforms is holding ground with courageous and commendable virtue. Many will reference the painful pandemic period as an opportunity seized by harness racing in otherwise desperate circumstances. And it was. Nevertheless, other racing racing codes seized said benefits equally well, and economically, little ground was actually gained during this time frame, given the joint venture dynamics which dictate racing revenue. As a result, the endless battle rages just as it did before. Hopefully, in some fantasy land where fairness reigns and racing's three codes recognise their egalitarian obligations to one another, the lopsided ledger currently in play will suddenly metamorphosize. Realistically, I'm not holding my breath. It's just not the way it works. Competitive environments are competitive by nature, even if sometimes there's a uh, utilitarian greater good, utilitarian greater good to be uh, served. More often than not, that's not how these things work. Should things stay as they are, it's only natural that Australasian administrations will act in accordance with what's best for the bottom line. Aside from the rare few, and predominantly those with the financial freedom to risk without repercussion, those that undertake organisational leadership roles are defined by practical pragmatism above all other qualities. Nevertheless, there's a stark reality facing harness racing right now. As things stand... Quantity rather than quality is king. The hard and fast facts dictate via the current joint venture that we talk about regularly that the more racing product we can manufacture, the greater our chance to retain some small piece of the overall wagering pie. To this end, masterful minds hell-bent on fulfilling their briefs have admirably sought to handicap and program meetings which maximise the dwindling standard bread population currently in play. And for this, they must be commended. That is the brief in front of them. Tragically, however, in the world of racing and sports circa 2022, can't believe it's 2022, but anyway, we move on from that pretty quickly, holding ground is losing ground and losing ground is dire. Beyond this, there are genuine consequences for stretching the available horse population the way we currently do. Heading the list of liabilities are our most elite performers. Look, nobody wants Victoria or Australia's top flight commodities to race any less than they currently do. The desire to witness stars, superstars, megastars and even champions as often as possible could not possibly be more natural. We go to sporting events to see the best, take on the best, (coughs) Excuse me. As often as we possibly can. So you 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 really want to see the uh, champions, whether it's tennis or cricket or footy or softball, squash. Don't know what the champions there are these days, but racing's exactly the same. So you want to see them as often as possible. Despite these desires, however, one must wonder what the toll of staging so many free for all contests ultimately does to the horses we revere so greatly. Without doubt, the fate of freakishly gifted and endlessly loved six-year-old. Lockenvarat catapults this conundrum into very sharp focus. He's now off to America, as we know. Truth be told, however, perhaps he's the necessary conduit to have this conversation. Understandably, there will be those that believe more racing rather than less will help elite paces and try to build the fitness required for Group 1 Grand Circuit events. And there's every chance there's merit to this perspective. There's also merit to the contention, however... That staging two-tiered, open-class contests, more widely spaced, 
and for greater prize money, garnered courtesy of said spacing, also has merit. So in very in very simple terms, I, I'm I believe I'm an advocate of <clears throat> higher prize money, uh, free for all races, uh, staged less frequently, and with as I say, two tiered, where you've got sort of the really the top class up to 120s, and then the next level, so that the next level get their opportunity to win at around that twenty thousand dollar mark, and then it's more like thirty or more for uh, for the top top class paces, and you don't have to race them quite so often because if you are able to win one of those races, it pays for the um, significant feed bills and training bills and all the rest of it. It's not merely the elite that could benefit from this kind of off Broadway thinking either. Much as it makes the bean counters wince, the week-in, week-out Metro combatants should not be week-in, week-out combatants. And I know this is off-Broadway thinking because, once again, we go back to the idea that you've got to have as much quantity as you possibly can. And if you can fill fields, you, you, you do your very best to do that, particularly at Metropolitan level. But even in the good old days, only some standard breads could successfully religiously back up on a seven-day basis. Now, in an era where horses are far more fragile and infinitely more injury-prone, we're doing it more than ever. If anybody follows uh, harness racing in Victoria or New South Wales or, or Queensland or wherever it might be, you'll notice that the Metro meetings are virtually, you just move around a couple of names on the whiteboard and they're virtually the same horses every single week. And that's, to me, slightly worrying. It has to be, I think. Ultimately, even if said horses are perfectly prepared and brilliantly conditioned, their form will naturally waver. <clears throat> this may not register for those charged with the task of creating as many racing opportunities as possible, and I understand that is their job. It does, however, affect punters planning to make a profit, and this is critical. Way back in the bleachers you see, hiding in the shadows, are the repercussion, uh, repercussions of fatally flawed systems, in my opinion, like these. While we raucously celebrate the perceived successes of staging our two major futurity series in close succession at the end of each year, back in those bleachers, there's an injury toll, in my opinion, for doing so. That injury toll, by its very nature, ensures that many of our headline youngsters don't progress, and by not progressing, they limit the promotional avenues, which otherwise may have availed. So you see where I'm going with this, obviously. You do your best in the in the moment, and right here and right now, and what works to keep the bottom line ticking along, but there's future proofing as well down the track. You want these good horses to still be there in three or four years. You want them to be fit and healthy and firing so you can create the marketing and promotional opportunities around them. While we relish the relentless consistency of open class racing, deep in the shadows lies a loss of quality horse flesh from overexposure, which in turn leads to unfulfilled narratives. And while we champion 10 or 11 or even 12 race cards with near identical runners at Metropolitan level on a weekly basis, just past the sunset where nobody naturally appears, presides the spectre of uncompetitive contests and flagrant form reversals, which turn punters away from our product forevermore. And this is also critical because if people are uh, looking for Consistency once upon a time, harness racing was known for that more than thoroughbred racing. People copped it in thoroughbred racing if horses sort of went in and out of form and threw in a shocker. You, you followed in on harness racing. I certainly did when I was a young man because you felt like 
you were going to get a very similar run from the horses that you'd followed every single week. And by running these horses a little bit too often, in my opinion, that's starting to change. Look, I'm not charged with the task of managing major budgets or making massive, potentially game-changing decisions on the sport which I relish. I do know this, however. If we choose to play on others' terms in a world where they have the competitive advantage, think greyhounds and the quantity of product they can manifest, we are on a slippery slope to darkness. So... Even if it hurts, even if it's frightening, even if there's short-term anguish, why not take a leap of faith? If we believe in our product, and all harness zealots do, let's choose quality over quantity wherever possible, wherever we possibly can, and use the meagre funds we have to promote and educate punters on the sizzling action we ultimately have to offer. So that's the breezing with Bond, and that was a very long-winded, turgid, grandiloquent way of uh, talking about, and in, in only one of the contexts, the way that future-proofing and looking to the bigger picture, if you if you want to put it that way, I think is extremely important. And I'm well aware, and I'll say it again, and I can see this fact, when, you, when you're trying to hold ground and you're trying to do the, the right thing to ensure that prize money doesn't drop for participants who already don't get enough prize money, then you don't want to make any major false steps, do you? But at the same time, you also, I think, don't want a situation where you keep doing similar things with minor tweaks that are sort of patching up the patient, so to speak, without ever giving him a chance or her a chance of a full uh, a full recovery. Uh, is the metaphor that I'm using here. We keep, I think there's a lot of patching up situations to make sure that the soldier can continue to go back out to battle, but we have to do things and and think about things and create things like what I, I think is hopefully going to happen with Trop's vision going forward, which has been a magnificent concept from the start, which creates a situation where you're bringing new fans into the sport. Is it going to cost a little bit? Yes. Is it going to be a little bit dangerous, a little bit risky? Yes. Is it required? I believe so. There's a breezing with Bond for today. We're going to go to a break now. Come back, short segment, and then a 12th thought, 30 straight after the news. We will be chatting with the candy man, Gregory Sugars, about Better Eclipse and Triple Eight and Just Believe and a couple of others as well. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. What a tune. Winger. The late great Dolores Hollywooden from the Cranberries. Now, a uh, little break in play because that was a heavy breezing with Bond, so we're just going to uh, uh, take a moment. Tomorrow... He's uh, my um, 26th birthday, and I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long road to get to 26, but I'll be uh, I'll be sitting back and enjoying, and uh, hopefully getting uh, hopefully getting just just showered with gifts. I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest. But look, I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying life to this point, and I'm going to enjoy life tomorrow for my birthday. Probably sitting back and watching something, and why not? Why not look for something to watch from? The recently released list today of the 100 greatest TV shows of all time, and I've got to tell you, 
There's a couple of little errors I think they've made here, but uh, overwhelmingly, I think that there's it's, it's a nice, strong... The first couple are very nice and strong. Uh, Tom Bang, if you'd like to tell me what your favourite... He's, he's looking at the list. I'll, I'll worry about this. Give me, give me your top few favourite TV shows of all time so that we can compare it against the list that the Rolling Stone have re- released today. So my favourite TV show... You're going to go left of centre here for sure. So I'm going to start with a show called Community. Oh, Community. I don't think it'll be in the top 20 Community, but it'll it, it, say... So, all right, Community with Joel McHale and Chevy Chase and... You've had Cole Brown. Uh, and... Alison Brie. Donald Glover. Yep. Who was... Better known as a rapper Childish as... Gambino. Yeah, as Childish Gambino, yes. All right, what else you got? I've got How I Met Your Mother, classic sitcom from the 2000s. Yeah, <laughs> this is an interesting list. All right, okay, Community and How I Met Your Mother. I'm also a fan. A couple of comedies. Uh, the Good Doctor, a bit more serious. <laughs> Good Doctor, okay. What else have we got? We'll, got, we'll give you two more. Uh, Hawaii Five-0. Yep. And Hawaii? Did you say Hawaii Five-0? Yep. The, the original? The newer version. Okay. The one with... Um, the <coughs> that is Aussie bloke? Yeah. Alex? Alex, um... Something. I forgot his name, but yes. it's also got Scott Car- um Yeah, Scott Carn in it too. Yep. Um, and Danny Day Kim, some really good actors. Um, and then my favourite, my fifth favourite show is a tie between The Simpsons and Family Guy because I love my animation. All right, so I'll give you... I'll, uh, I'm going to just reveal... I know this is Trot's life, but I, you know, I'm just, I, I like to go off on these uh, deviating territories sometimes or deviating paths. Number 20 is 30 Rock. <clears throat> a good show. I don't think it deserves to be in the top 20 of all time, but a, a good show. Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin, for those who haven't seen it. 19, <clears throat> I must admit I've never, ever heard of, called I May Destroy You. BBC, HBO uh, combined. Yeah, I've never heard of this thing. But it's all right. Number 18 is Saturday Night Live. Uh, and I can understand that. I reckon Saturday Night Live has deteriorated quite horrifically in more recent years. But it, when it was at its absolute peak... With um, well, very early doors with the, the cast they had Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Belushi and all the rest of it. But later on down the track, they had Bill Murray and then uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler and David Spade and Norm Macdonald. Great show, so I'm happy with that. Seventeen, The Leftovers. I've never heard of you. I might watch you tomorrow. Although it looks like a ha- the picture looks like a harrowing situation. Twin Peaks comes in at sixteen for people who like to have their heads, their minds. Twisted and bent and contorted in every possible way by David Lynch in his own contorted mind. Number 15 is one that I I will always um, suggest that everybody should go and watch called The Larry Sanders Show about a uh, about a talk show host played by Gary Shandling. It is an absolute... It, it is genius. Number 14 is The American Has Never Seen an Episode of It. Don't think I ever will. 13 is Veep, which is, of course, the... The second hugely successful show for Julia Louis-Drivers, who played Elaine in Seinfeld. So Veep is a very funny show. Whether it's a top 20, I don't know. The Twilight Zone comes in at number 12. I think I'll give that a miss. Succession's supposed to be amazing. Have you watched, have you watched any Succession? No. It's supposed to be a cracker, but it's on HBO and it's very hard to get hold of. Number 10, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Um, Tom Banks laughing, but I've watched nearly every episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and it's amazing. So Tom Banks, stop giggling. Number nine's Atlanta. I've tried to watch that, couldn't get into it. Number eight is Cheers, absolute belter. I uh, got Paramount Plus and decided to just about go through every one of the episodes of Cheers as well. Like most great sitcoms, it sort of deteriorates towards the back end. I'm actually a bigger fan of Frasier than Cheers, but 
Both great shows. Mad Men never really hooked me in. It's number seven. Seinfeld somehow is only in number six. I can't, I can't cop that. It's got to be higher than that. Number five is Fleabag. Another show I haven't watched. Number four is The Wire. Hard-hitting show. Uh, I know that um, uh, Adam Hamilton, who uh, runs the show for Ladbrokes, is, I think that's uh, maybe his favourite show of all time, or one of his top couple. Breaking Bad, number three. I've, I've seen most episodes, but it probably didn't hook me the way it did others. Number two is The Simpsons. Tom Bang, you'd be very happy to hear. And number one is the greatest drama of all time. They've got this right. You're going to give the big. You're going to give a big uh, drum roll type situation here. Rolling Stones, number one TV show of all time. The Sopranos, absolute ripper show. The Sopranos. So, a um, little bit of levity there for a few minutes as we wind up towards the twelve thirty news and then come back and have a chat with Greg Sugars. The trials will be going right now, so hopefully we can get hold of the Candy Man. As mentioned, we're going to talk to him about. Well, everything that's going on at Lara J Farm, uh, haven't really even had a good chat, a proper chat with Greg on air since coming back from Queensland. There were successes there, but it has created a little bit of an interesting environment. And I'll, I'll ask Greg about the fact that sort of now, I'm sure the preparation's fine, the residual fitness is there, but I think in any normal world, you'd probably want... You might want more than one run for these horses, better Eclipse and, and Triple Eight going into a Victoria Cup, but he might see it completely differently. So it'll be interesting to find out his thoughts there, his thoughts on Just Believe and any maybe uh, rising stars uh, that we don't know too much about that have made their way to Murnion and to Lara J Farm in recent weeks and months. For anybody who remembers a little interview going back a few weeks ago, uh, chatting with Emma Stewart, just shooting the breeze, talking about some horses that were racing that weekend. And then uh, I did sort of ask Emma, what else is going on at home? Is there one that's exciting you? And um, she clearly felt that I already knew and that I was digging into an area that I already knew um, or mining into an area where I already knew there was gold because a little giggle was uh, followed by the name Captain Ravishing. And we know what Captain Ravishing has done since that interview. Um, two devastating wins. The first win, uh, this preparation with Emma, was in the Colin and Heather Holloway Classic at Ballarat where Captain Ravishing equaled the fastest final quarter in the history of the sport south of the equator. And then the second run was, of course, on Saturday night at Kilmore in the Reg Withers Classic where 1.4 seconds was stripped, removed and just taken away, eviscerated, obliterated from the 2,180-metre track record at Kilmore, which has stood for some time. So hopefully, no pressure, Greg, when you come on, but um, if you can give us one like Captain Ravishing, we'd be very pleased to hear it. All right, let's find out what's happening in the world. Go to the news, come back, and have a chat with the Candyman. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Hello and welcome back to Trots Live. And uh, Michael Thompson's really come a long way in the world. He, he called Greg Sugars on the phone before and just said, "Hello there, Sugar Man. Um, unbelievable stuff. People feel so familiar with you, Gregory. It's it's. Um, you should have told him, hey mate, you just if you'd like to call me Greg or Mister Sugars, that'd be more appropriate." 
No, you know, I'm very accommodating and very welcoming to everyone. So uh, no need for that sort of stuff. A loving man at his core. Uh, Now, I've got a few questions. So A number one, you go to Queensland, better eclipse than the late both go up there. You've got a Victoria Cup right around the corner and the smoking up sprint on Saturday night. Has there been any concern with trying to sort of you – know, I know there's huge residual fitness from what happened in Queensland, but trying to navigate the path between there and here, so to speak, for those horses? Uh, not really, no. It's been pretty trouble-free for us, uh, touch wood, and, and thankfully. But, um, yeah, no, when they obviously were rock hard and fit and, and raced quite well during the Queensland Carnival, and uh, they uh, travelled back pretty soon after that and only had a short short time off in the paddock here. So, um, yeah, by the time they'd sort of got back into work, there'd only been really a few weeks, so they hadn't really lost any significant fitness. And, um, yeah, we've just been ticking along business as usual, um, just waiting for these races to come up, and uh, we think we've got them in pretty good order. The draws on paper look uh, look pretty good in this smoking up sprint. Uh, Better Eclipse is drawn too. I'm interested to hear what the plans will be early doors with the Better Eclipse in that race. And Triple Eight, you would think just being called up along the pegs, even if it's maybe three, you'd hope it's not four poles, but if it's three poles from the inside second line draw, I don't think you could have asked for a hell of a lot more, Candy Man. No, I reckon on paper it's as good as it sort of gets for our two. Um, yeah, Triple Eight will be be greatly appreciated uh, with that draw um, sitting on the fence. And like you say, hopefully there's no more than three back. And, you know, over the short trip, it's going to be a solid run race. But um, that's nearly as good a place as any any to be in this sort of race, uh, you know, especially for a horse that races the way he does. So that's pretty much ideal in my book um, for him. Um, the other fellas say pretty pretty similar sort of story. I'm happy to be uh, set of one-off the fence uh, from the word go, so there's obviously a bit of speed to our outside. Um, probably Act Now probably looks the fastest off the, off the gate, apart from um, the one horse, Torrid Saint. So, yeah, there'll be a bit of speed there early, and however that unfolds, um, I, I think he should lob a good spot too. So uh, both horses will, you know, appreciate this run, um, you know, for next week. But, um, yeah, like you say, on paper, couldn't be happier. Well, you go back to, you know, I'm not sure whether you would have always felt this way about Better Eclipse because he's got such a devastating um, and extended turn of speed. But doing what he did in the Sunshine Sprint, I mean, you wouldn't want to get left exposed from there. But I don't think you'd be panicking if you were. No, definitely not. No, he's definitely got uh, a fair bit more strength about him, um, you know, these days as he's matured and we've sort of looked after him as he's... uh, Came, as he's come through his grades and out of age racing. Um, so, yeah, no, he, he's certainly not a one-trick pony. He's capable of, uh, you know, holding his own if he has to. But, um, you know, ideally, first up, I think, uh, um, yeah, we're obviously going to try and uh, get some cover at some stage if we can. Based on the trial at Geelong, now, this is, a, this is a regular question that's just gone on and on over the last, I guess, 12 months virtually. But um, is better Eclipse now... <laughs> Is he now clearly the better of the two horses or is Triple Eight slightly behind him potentially in terms of fitness and will benefit more from the run on Saturday night? Or both? Um, I think I think it's probably a little bit of both, uh, to be completely honest. Um, better Eclipse is probably just a touch more forward um, in, in the fitness stakes. and there's probably, uh, there's probably more improvement out of Triple Eight from this run, then there will be better Eclipse, um, is sort of my take on it. Um, but having said that too, I think that uh, this time around, well, just what we've seen since coming home from Queensland and how the horses have been at home, I think better Eclipse is certainly 
um, yeah, putting his hand up to say he's our number one contender from the RJ Farm stable. Now, a few other runners on Saturday night. You've done well with the draws and the smoking up sprint. You've done absolutely terribly. Shit house with the others, I've got to say, uh, Gregory. Uh, Non-pareal. <laughs> in he's beat one of the Vic Oaks. Um, I mean, having three heats makes it just that little bit harder because you know you've got to finish a little bit closer to make sure you make the final next weekend. Yeah, exactly right. No, she's only had the one run back and, and won quite well at Bendigo, but obviously this is a uh, mammoth step up in grade for her. Um, it's an incredibly uh, talented group of fillies um, throughout these three heats. Um, just looking through the noms, I was like, wow, this is going to be a hell of a race. So, um, yeah, probably not ideal for her, but at least I can I can probably have to snag and, and sit on the fence there, and I think I'll be following some pretty, uh, pretty smart horse horse flesh, so if I can keep up with them, it gives me a chance to uh, sneak her way into the final. Have you got any preordained ideas about what you'll be doing with Beach Life? It's the week on paper, just having a quick squeeze. It looks like clearly the weakest of the three Vic Oak heats to my eye. The wide draw, it was a nice first up run. I don't know how aggressively you can go forward. Have you have you thought much about that, or are you just going to wait and have a chat with Emma and Clayton later in the week? Yeah, I'll definitely have to have a chat to them. I know, um, you know, mentioned about uh, me possibly driving this horse there a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah, they had to have a good opinion of it that she's she's right up there with most of theirs at the moment. So um, that's a pretty good push, and yeah, you know, they'll be happy with her first up run, and she should improve on that too. You would think. So I, I would say just that I only had a quick look too at the, as the fields come out, and I thought, uh, yeah, it's probably a chance that they'd want it. Uh, uh, put into the action on And Brutally Handsome uh, has a happy knack of not only making his way into these finals, but actually running extremely well once he gets into them. He might be a length or two off the absolute best, and this is an elite uh, generation of uh, of three-year-old males. But uh, being back there with Catch a Wave, it may or may not help. Um, at least here you've only got to make top six, Gregory. Yeah, exactly right. No, he's been cruel in, uh, with barrier draws in, in most of the main ones, but... Uh, it's kind of worked out okay for him um, on many occasions, so hopefully this is this is no different. Um, like you say, he's he's one of those. He's just just below those, you know, the, the top echelon of those uh, of that age bracket. But he he's not that far behind him. And one of the things he does do is he follows the speed really well. So if there's a genuine contest and you know he's not amongst it early, um, you know he follows the speed well and finishes off well. So. That's obviously what we're hoping for. Um, hopefully he can make his way into the final because uh, he's done a great job for Bo and AJ uh, right throughout his career, really. But this preparation, he's, he's done a super job, been very consistent. So, um, yeah, just on a personal note, I'd love to see him make the final. Uh, let's move on quickly to Just Believe. Now, well, I had a little bit of fun with you last weekend and all the rest of it, but the truth is that I, I, I do suspect you have a very good opinion, and understandably so, of this horse. And knowing... Knowing what the top line trotters look like at the moment, is he is he right there potentially at the top of the tree? I think he is. Um, yeah, look, the, with you know a couple of the headline acts, obviously over recent years, uh, either coming back to the field or retiring and moving on, like in, in the local brigade, um, it's sort of it's really opened up the doors for a lot of horses, I think, and um, I think he's one of them on the way through. That um, yeah, he's certainly capable of matching it with. Um, probably the best that are around at the moment. Uh, so, yes, what he's done through his three runs for us at the moment, we've been obviously extremely happy with. And, you know, we're hoping there's still a little bit of improvement in him yet. But, um, yeah, he's he's very well managed. The gate speed, he's sort of fast off a slow speed. And, and he's obviously got a fair bit of stamina as well. So he really ticks all the boxes. So 
Um, yeah, we were obviously very happy to have him in the stable. Were you aware pretty much, I mean, you knew, you knew his exploits before you got him, but as soon as you sort of started to work him at home, that you, you had something that you felt could be could be capable of um, going around in the, in the biggest races. We know he'd, he'd already been there, but I feel like I feel like he's gone maybe potentially and he's on his path to going to another level at the moment. Yeah, I hope that's the case. And obviously, yeah, he he, he was come to us, uh, you know, reasonably well-credentialed horse that um, um, obviously ran third in last year's Inter Dominion um, and performed very, very well up there. So, yeah, no, we were sort of excited when he when he did turn up. And it didn't take long that, uh, yeah, once we started doing a bit of serious work with him, we thought, yeah, he's a pretty nice horse, this one. And, um, yeah, so far he hasn't let us down. So, yeah, no, he's just one of those horses. He's a real character around the stable. Um, yeah, he sort of catch your attention uh, just just by the way he goes about things, and um, yeah, obviously his racetrack performances uh, have been you know first class thus far. So very happy to have him, like I say. Now you and uh, Jess at Lara J Farm are uh, one of the more organised teams uh, in terms of uh, getting your nominations in and all the rest. But first entries for the Inter Dominion. Well, Jess, Jess is. I don't know about. Me. Well, he's, you, you, you could have taken that as part of the team situation if you'd like, but uh, it, no, probably more. Yeah, def- definitely more. Jess, um, for, first entries for the Inter Dominion's uh, close with HRV tomorrow. Do you know off the top of your head? Is there anything left of centre that you've decided to just? Throw in that we might that we might not know about, or is it just the ones we we would know about? Like you just believes in your triple eights and your better eclipses. Yeah, no, that that's all. That's all we've got. Um, and uh, we threw one overall. Um, yeah, he's just returning from a spell at the moment, so um, yeah, throwing a nomination in for him as well. So yes, four two two of each gate um, for us. So. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if we can get them all a part of it. This sounds like a very easy question to answer based on where they are right now, but I certainly I got sucked into one overall for a period as you probably did. Like when we're talking just believe in one overall, is it a is there quite a world between them at the moment? Uh, on ability, no, not a great deal. I, I think he's got his fair share of ability one overall, but he's not not as uh, easy to deal with. He's not as well managed. Mm. Um, yeah, doesn't have as good a racing sort of attitude as what Just Believe does. So um, from ability-wise, there's not a huge amount between them, but on-track performances, you, yeah, there's probably probably a fair distance between them just uh, just because of Rencraft. Something for people to ponder as they go forward and have a look at the futures markets. Very much appreciate your time. Um, Tomo, is there anything else you'd like to say to Sugarman before we go? No, you'll be right. You can catch up some other time. Uh, see you, Gregory. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you on Saturday night. No worries, Bonds out. There is Greg Sugars, uh, absolute superstar of the sport, right at the top of his game at the moment and has been for a very long period of time. And it sounds like Triple Eight, you just want to see him hunting home along the pigs in that smoking up sprint, but better eclipse. I felt, having known Greg for a while, I felt the confidence in his voice, and he's certainly pretty keen on Just Believe as well. And really interesting news about one overall, because there was a, a moment there, like I was comparing him, uh, yeah, to some very, very good trotters. And it sounds like on ability, uh, we were we were barking up the right tree. He's just got to get his manners right. Time for the final break of this Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. When we return, we'll put a little bow on it and hand over the reins to the trackside team. And also Lee Dalton will get a look at today's markets for Palmer Bet. What a player. Ladies and gentlemen, what a player! You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington.
So, I don't know how... Uh, it was forty favourite, wasn't it? I think I think the Big Cats had one tip of an angle. And now I'm realising why he said he had to get off air at 11.45. To bet, I think. To bet. Because that's what he does for a living, you understand, Tom Baker. He's a, a punter, a professional gambler. He's timed, gets spreadsheets ready, everything on the screen, all the multiple devices ready to go. That's what he does. The big cat. We appreciate him joining us. And, by the way, the Greg Sugars interview is brought to you by Garrard's Horse and Hound, the best stock at the lowest prices. It was great to chat with the uh, the candy man. He said it up and about and happy, and that means that the horses must be going well. Better Eclipse can really stand his imprimatur. For all, the only thing I will say, and I've been pretty vociferous uh, both today and in, in recent days, that Rock and Roll do should be favourite for the... Victoria Cup, which is on October 8 at Tabcor Park, Melton. But what I will say is the four-year-olds, and this is why I've cracked the sads for so long about the fact that you've got those Futurity series at the end of the year, at the same time as the Inter-Dominion, because the four-year-olds are the most exciting ones going around, three- and four-year-olds, really. Um, so Better Eclipse, we, you, there was this conversation earlier about Bondi lockdown versus Rock and Roll Do, but Better Eclipse, is, his actual record is better than both of them. That sounds. I know some people will say, "Oh, yeah," but Bondi, Bondi lockdown has probably you know he was he was the one who who showed seemingly the most grand circuit potential. Rock and roll do has now lived up to that. Well, he's he's getting to that level. Uh, the better eclipse is at, but better eclipse was the won the sunshine sprint, won the chariots of fire. He he's he if he comes out and deals with them. On uh, on on Saturday night in that smoking up sprint, well, I'll tell you what, uh, things could get pretty pretty wild pretty quickly. So if you're thinking about uh, wanting to back better Eclipse for the Victoria Cup, I would do so before before he goes around in the smoking up on Saturday night. Because if he turns up and somehow blows them away, or even wins first up from a break, or even runs a monster race first up from a break, he's going to short, shorten that Victoria Cup market, no question about it. It's time for me potentially to take my leave of absence. That's the end of Trot's Live for today. You'll have the Wombat tomorrow. I'll be enjoying my birthday, my 26th at home. And then uh, back for Burning Questions in the Thursday edition. And, of course, the Friday form panel back. Locking horns with Dan Malecki on Friday from 10.30 to 12. I may still be here at the end of this break, though. So just, if you hear my voice again, don't get frightened. All right, that's the end of Trot's Live. Trackside coming up. And to kick off Trackside, a little chat with Lee Dalton. Partnerships Manager at Palmerbet.